Hey, nothing like a little good news on a Monday, huh? Good news on a Monday happened for OU football less than an hour ago. Garen Hatchett has uh, committed to OU, newest offensive lineman in the transfer portal, is heading to Norman from Washington, and OU almost got him the first time around, right? They finished second in his recruitment to Washington three, four years ago when he was going through the recruiting process. So here's that old line once again, Parker. Well, finishing second and recruiting ain't as bad as it used to be. It may help you out down the road. And it certainly helped the Sooners out today. Didn't get the package deal. Didn't get the hatchet bros, at least not yet. But you do add Garen Hatchett, an experienced transfer, a guy who was part of a Joe Moore award-winning offensive line this past season and somebody who can come in and immediately contend. Maybe he's not a front-runner. Maybe he's not a clear-cut starter, but somebody that can contend with the likes of Fibetchi Nwawu and Troy Everett and Heath Ozida and Michael Tarquin and what have you to start at one of the Sooners' two-guard spots. It's just depth that you, you'll feel comfortable about, whether he's a starter or on your two-deep. You'll feel comfortable about him if he has to play a significant game next year. Yep. And I'm going to guess that he's going to play more than one significant snap of, of football next year. It's a, it's a league about depth. And, and dude, like th- this sport is about to be about depth more than it ever has been. Now, I'm not going to sit here today and predict OU makes it to the national championship game or anything like that. But if you were to make a deep run in the playoffs, that's a lot more games than you're used to playing, right? So depth is going to be more important than ever, and That's maybe this point. guy starts, maybe this guy doesn't, but regardless, he's going to be like. And here's how I always look at it too: this uh, he's got two years left of eligibility, right? So he's got a pretty good idea that he's going to have at least a decent chance to start. Uh, he could have he he could have went back to Washington and probably been a starter on their offensive line this year. One two years of eligibility left, and you started at the previous school before. I think Garen Hatchett has a pretty strong belief that yeah, I got a really good chance to start next year, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily bet against him being a being a starter next year with with the experience that he does. No, have. nor would I. Nor would I. I think there's a very very good chance that um, he does end up starting, and it goes back to a conversation that we've had in previous months about the state of this offensive line room heading into 2024. Tyler, do you have all the answers in front of you? No, but you have options. And historically, where Bill Biedenboe has options, he finds a solution. And I trust that he will. How, how's this being received, by the way? I mean, Britt from Jink says, trust in Coach B. Jeff from OKC says, is this the hatchet bro? Is he the Mario or the Luigi? How, how is the text line uh, reacting to this one? Because I will, I'll remind you what happened the Monday after OU got Michael Tarquin from USC. You remember the reaction immediately from getting Michael Tarquin? Oh, this guy sucks. He's not any good. Why are we wasting our time getting this guy in the transfer portal? I have not a see, I have not seen a Michael Tarquin like reaction from the text line after getting a Garen Hatchet today. Am I am I off on that? I, th- I feel not. like most people are pretty happy with you this. You are one. not, and it's probably because he doesn't come to you courtesy of the University of Southern California. That helps. He didn't spend an entire season with Benny Wiley and the Kettlebells. He was a starter on a Joe Moore Ward uh, offensive line for uh, eight games last year before he got hurt. Uh, let me let me attempt to read uh, between the lines on something, by the way, that you just said a couple of minutes ago. By all means. Now, younger brother Landon 
was supposed to visit this weekend. It was supposed to be in Norman. One, did that happen before I tried to read between the lines of something? Did Landon make it to Norman this weekend? To my knowledge, no, he did not. Okay. So, but you're not totally giving up, I don't know, like hope, but you're you're not saying it's a 0% possibility that he's on the team next year, correct? What, What I'm telling you is... Let's wait and see what happens in the spring window. Okay, and that's that's where I'm going to attempt to try to read between the lines here. Is is it a number situation when it comes to Landon? Like they they realize where they're at right now, and it's hey, we want you, we want you a part of the team next year. We got to figure it out numbers <laughs> wise before like we're all in and yeah, want to accept well, the commit. Is that is that essentially and he's also, it? Yeah, he's in a different academic situation than his older brother as well, naturally. He's in his first year of college. So the way I had it phrased to me by a source yesterday that's as good as it gets was it'll all work out. So <laughs> okay. I, yeah. I take that to mean it might be a little while before you get a re- resolution here, but Landon Hatchet is still I, – I, I don't know if I would say likely – there is still a very real chance that he concludes his collegiate career at the University of Oklahoma. Okay. So is that it? If the last name's not Hatchet in the rest of the transfer portal window before OU kicks off in 2024, are they taking another offensive eh. lineman? Eh. Situational? Depends ne- on who's never available. Never say never, but I would say, yeah, Landon Hatchet potentially in the spring window is probably the only other guy that OU would consider. 909 came to you from USC where he wasn't very good. Talking about <laughs> Michael Tarquin. Well, he was playing right tackle, which not not a position he was cut out for. Not a position he should have played. Uh, and then just, just to see the text from Doug Miles warms my heart. That was the only good thing about my Saturday at the LNC was seeing our buddy Doug Miles at halftime. That was it. Because, God, there were Texas Tech fans everywhere. And guess what they were after the game, during the game, before the game? Yeah, they were obnoxious. You would hear a bunch of, Go Raiders! During the game on Saturday. They were loud, obnoxious after the game. Golly. What a crap experience in the LNC with all those Texas Tech fans. They got to, they got to leave uh, with something. Ha- they, they were happy leaving that place. One of their fans made the comment, Hell, I was just hoping for two Big 12 wins all year, and we already have two Big 12 road wins. <sighs> not a good Saturday, man. No. That, was, that no, was not good. Not a good time for OU hoops. I just hope the junior day guys, they left with uh, OU up nine in the second half before it got ugly down the stretch. I was telling Steely, I fell asleep at that point. I was, <laughs> I I was tuckered out, like dozing in and out watching that game, and they got up by nine. I was like, oh, okay, great. I'm going to shut my eyes. I wake up with 40 seconds left, and they're down by three points. What happened? Yeah, I don't, I, I don't know, man. But it wasn't, uh, w- wasn't great. Yes, Tech fans this nine one eight listener is on the right track. Tear apart the LNC. I thought Tech fans were going to do that Nuke on, on it. Saturday. Jeez. Nuke it. Uh, Four oh five projected O line starters next year, and this is kind of the point I think that Parker was making just a few Ooh. minutes ago. Yeah. I mean, we can we can try and do this, attempt to do this. Let's do it. Let's I, attempt. I, I I wouldn't expect these projections to be 100% accurate when the season kicks off. Like The point is, it's going to be difficult to do it now. We can attempt it. going to be difficult to do it now because there is so much uncertainty because you just brought in a large offensive line portal class, and you're bringing in some true freshmen who are going to have a chance to play 
as well. Like, no doubt. There's going to be a lot of newcomers on the offensive line this next year. A lot. But we can attempt to do so. Who are, who are the two tackles next year? Who are the two favorites? Jacob Sexton is obviously one. Of, I'll bet you he ends up at right tackle. Just because there is nobody else on the roster that has experience at that position. And Jacob Sexton is quite objectively your most proven option. Okay, I'm fine with that. So I'm going to say he goes to right tackle. I'm going to say the left tackle is Tarquin. Oh, you just light up the text line. Michael Tarquin's your starting left tackle next year. Woo, boy. I think you know how that one's going to be received. And that's uh, here's the alternative. Jacob Sexton at left tackle, Spencer Brown at right tackle. I'm just that high on Spencer Brown like I have my questions about him which is why I think like Tarquin is very very experienced on the left side of the line both at tackle and at guard so he is somebody that you know you throw him at that left tackle position um, you know that he's probably going to be able to hold his own and then even if he can't Again, like you can shuffle the deck, you can send Sexton back around to the other side, and you can plug Spencer Brown at right tackle and see if that works for you. Well, there's at least uh, one transfer portal offensive lineman you have projected. What about the inside? Nawawu going to be one starter at guard? I'm going to say the starters at guard are Nawawu and Garen Hatchett. Yeah, okay. So there's three transfer portal offensive linemen. Yep. Who, who's the starting center next year? Josh Bates. I'm saying Josh Bates okay. over Troy Everett. Okay. So three transfer portal offensive linemen, two which um, still be eh, fairly young, young players. I mean, Josh Bates and uh, Jake Taylor, of course. So, But that's just a guess on January, what is it, 29th here? <laughs> that's going to I dramatically can, change, I'm, I'm sure, after the, yeah, after the spring period is over. I can guarantee you my answer on August 29th. Heck, my answer on April 29th will not be that. You know, I wonder if the conversation in training camp is going to be, huh, well, you brought in a decent amount of transfer portal offensive linemen, uh, but what's the odds this B.J. Brooks guy, I mean, he went to Orlando and dominated, and he showed up to Norman, and he just continues to perform at a high level. I, 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 there's not a whole lot of things as, as of right now that are going to surprise me in terms of the number of different players I could see you know, getting a look at one of the starting five to start the year. I, I guess I just wouldn't just totally be shocked if B.J. Brooks is a name that continues to be brought up throughout the regular season as maybe a guy that doesn't start right away, but the thought is he's going to be in the mix, and when we're halfway through the year, let's check back in to see what his status is. I mean, if we're talking about a true freshman playing a ton of snaps next year, I think we're talking about B.J. Brooks. Do you think we're talking about B.J. Brooks more? Do you think we're talking about EPL more? Daniel Locke and Kumi, who would, who would be the favorite in if, that regard? If you see a freshman next year, I would say it's Brooks, maybe EPL. The other two, Ock I think those and are Autry. The, yeah, I think yeah, those I, are the two easy ones to say yes, or the, most likely. I think Ock and Kumi and Autry are only playing in a true break glass in case of emergency type of scenario. Mm-hmm. Well, not only was it a guess to get to the starting five, most years you go in and say, well, I think that guy's going to be – OU's best offensive lineman. And we probably would have said Tyler Guyton a year ago, right? He's going to be their best offensive lineman. He's got the 
highest ceiling in terms of what can happen in the NFL draft. I don't know where I would go right now in terms of who's going to be OU's best O-lineman next year. I think that that could be, uh, you know, another list of like four or five names he could potentially list uh, list there. So, no, it's 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 a big year up front for sure. I, I know everyone already knows that, but you, uh, you added a name today in Garen Hatchett and got to think that he's a big-time contender uh, immediately to start up front on the O-line. All right, we got a lot to get to today. Junior Day recap. There's a new future cast that's in. Is on three drinking with their new final 2024 rankings? We'll hit all of it next right here on The Ref. Locked in with McComas and Thune, live on The Ref. We're the home of Sooner fans. Tyler McComas, Parker Thune, and you, The Ref Army as well, listening nationwide via the free KREF app. San Antonio, Texas is tuned in today. Silverton, Idaho. Billings, Montana. Jefferson City, Missouri. Rochester, New York. Minneapolis, Minnesota. Chandler, Oklahoma is our small town of the day. Thanks to everyone for downloading the free KREF app. If you haven't already, just search KREF in the App Store. You can take the ref wherever you're at on the go. Uh, Junior Day sounds like it was a success. And it sounds like the overhit, man. The 0.5 over-under that we had this weekend? I mean, not publicly it didn't hit, but silently it hits. It hits, yes. How about that? The over did indeed hit. So, congratulations to us on setting the bar low enough that we effectively succeeded. (laughs) It's a lesson for future weekends. We gave people even more reason to feel great because we set the bar low and the Sooner staff crushed it. I don't know if anyone else got excited about this, but uh, my one of my main takeaways from Junior Day is that SEC patch looks so cool on the OU football uniform. That uh, looks so cool. Big fan of the SEC patch and the way that it looked. I, I know you noticed that. Did you, did you think it looked good? Good look with the SEC patch that they had on? It was different, wasn't it? It like, was it definitely took, different. It, it took some getting used to, but yeah, I like it. Man, it feels it feels more natural than I figured it would. Like, I figured it would take a long time to get used to seeing an SEC on those jerseys. But I'll be honest, at first glance, I didn't even notice it. Then I took a second and third look. I was like, oh, yeah, SEC. It does say that on the jersey. But, no, it looks pretty natural on that Crimson uh, Uni. It looks beautiful is what it looks like to me. And maybe I'm just, you know, overly excited for the SEC and – all the changes around here that it's going to happen. I, I, I don't know. I just I, I thought it looked uh, thought it looked really cool. Uh, junior day recap. Okay, a, a, a lot happened. A, a silent lot did happen. a, a, yes. a silent commit happened, but it sounds like OU really made some strides with prospects from out of the area. Uh huh. And prospects in state as well. And I want to start in state with the number four player in the state of Oklahoma, Tristan Haynes of Carl Alberts. And here's a little short blurb from Rivals. Okay. Oklahoma could have been really tough to beat for Haynes anyway, and after this weekend visit, the four-star corner from Carl Albert might be heavily leaning toward the Sooners now. Visits to Georgia, Miami, and Stanford are being worked on, and the new A&M coaching staff has been talking to Haynes a ton, but Oklahoma should be very tough to beat here. I'm sorry. Might be heavily leaning to OU? Was that the, you want to remove the might the there? You want to omit that? White out the, the no, might there? That's, I mean, that's that's speculation. I I dislike the way that was phrased. I'll be honest, Tyler. I I don't think Tristan Haynes is leaning anywhere right now. 
which is weird, right? Because it feels like all of Carl Albert is committed to Oklahoma, and he's kind of the lone holdout. And if you're making me make a pick right now, I guess I would still take Oklahoma because it's the safe option. But it feels like but we're a long way so, away like, from a decision. It it does not feel like it is just, oh, you know, signed, sealed, and delivered, lock, stock, and barrel, Tristan Haynes going to be in Oklahoma sooner. No. No, that is not the sense I get with this recruitment at all. And it really kind of feels like he's pretty determined to make his own decision and blaze his own trail. Now, if the decision that he arrives at is – you know, Oklahoma's the best fit for me. Oklahoma makes the most sense, then great. But I guess what I'm saying is don't make the assumption that just because all of his teammates are committed to Oklahoma that obviously he's going to commit to Oklahoma as well. Yeah, well, if that was going to be the case, when was um, – what was it, November? Yeah, When November. you had the two commits in one ceremony, correct? So it, it was back in November when that was going to happen. And if he was just, yeah, I'm just going to follow my teammates, then – to your point, a commit probably you know would have either happened by now or it would have felt like we're close. But this is a recruitment that maybe could go on for uh, for several more months as we move forward here. Hey, you know where I'm going to be tomorrow night? Uh, Goodland, Kansas, to see Lincoln Cure. <laughs> That's a heck of a guess, though, right? I will not be in Goodland, Kansas. There's absolutely no way that I could make it that I could wrap up doing this show tomorrow afternoon and make it to Goodland, Kansas before 11 p.m. I will be in the state of Kansas. I will be in Burlington, Kansas. Would you care to guess why? Uh, is Desan Brame doing something in Burlington, Kansas no, tomorrow? I don't uh, know. You, you, you were almost right the first time. I'm, I'm going to see Lincoln. Kansas. Oh, dang. Okay. <laughs> Just not in Goodland. Uh, he's playing a basketball game on the eastern portion of the state in out in Burlington. And so, yeah, I'm going to go up and touch base with him in person for the very first time, kind of get a, uh, a feel for that recruitment. He he picked up a fong bomb to Kansas I, State over the weekend, which... Yeah, well, there, there, I mean, so so did Desan Brame, not to Kansas State, but to Oregon. Yeah, you know? and I, like, Desan Brame is leaning Oregon right now. That much is true. I don't think that's the case with Lincoln Cure. I think Kansas State has, I, I think they're in very viable position. I don't know that they outright lead, despite some of the quotes that he's given about his relationship with that staff. And also, I just like, and it's a really like low IQ observation, Tyler, but he's just too good to go to Kansas State, right? Like, yes. Yes, I am behind that. Yes. It's hard to fathom. Love you, Matt Wells. Uh, uh, Chris Kleiman, you did a nice job, but this guy's too good for you. Sorry. It is hard to fathom a player of that caliber choosing to go to school at Kansas State University in Manhattan, Kansas. No knock on the Wildcats, but to resurrect that meme from 2022, they're just not that guy. On the recruiting trail. CD from Hockley uh, brings this up on the text line, and I, I had this down in the rundown sheet today, too. All three tight ends we want are falling to other schools. Who's our fourth choice? And we've been talking about, hey, OU's in on three, four of the top six tight ends. Well, Nate Roberts is falling to Ohio State, Brame falling to Oregon, and now you have Lincoln Cure falling to Kansas State. It's still really early, though, man. And, and I think that's the thing that you've got to remember right now. We're not even to the second signing day for the 2024 cycle. There, there's still a lot, a lot of time here. A I want to. I want to ask you this, Tyler, before I get to answering CD from Hockley. How many live chickens would you sacrifice to make Lincoln Cure a Sooner? 
How many live chickens are there? That is my answer. <laughs> All I love of them. It. Hey, he's my favorite player in the 2025 uh, cycle, man. To answer your original question, CD from Hockley, OU's fourth choice at tight end is Chase Lofton up in Omaha. And he's a top 20 national player at the position. So, a very, very good tight end. A game changer like Cure Braim and Nate Roberts, maybe not, at least not yet, but he's also far less of a finished product. And so, like, you can take Nate Roberts or Desan Braim or Lincoln Cure right now and put them on a college football field, and they're going to be able to hold their own physically. They're going to be able to hold up as a blocker. They're going to be able to be a threat as a pass catcher. Chase Lofton just turned 17 years old. So he's got, and he's also only about 215 pounds. So he's got some mass to add. There's a lot more to his game that he can unlock than the rest of the dude. So I guess what I'm saying is he's a step behind the other three right now. That may not be the case three or four years down the road. And so if you have to fall back on your fourth choice, which is Chase Lofton, I still think that's a really good option. Yeah. Jerky Suter saying Peter would like a word, sacrificing all the chickens for Lincoln Cure. Yeah, I don't. If care. that's the only obstacle, <laughs> yeah, fine. I'll, I'll, I'll take on Peter. You, you mean you mean Peter who ruined Uga's death last week? Is that is that the same Peter that we're talking about? Uga's just trying to rest in peace, and Peter's trying to ruin it for everyone. Those guys. I, yeah. I could I could win an arm wrestling match against anybody affiliated with Peta because Lord knows those people don't eat any protein. Ah, oh, beautiful. We need to get Peta in studio so you can arm wrestle all of them <laughs> during a, an hour of locked in. Hey, let me let me read this quote on uh, on on Junior Day, and I'm going to guess this pretty much echoes what most have said that were in town this weekend. This is from Christian Jones, the uh, linebacker out of Omaha. Ooh, very really good, good player. Very good. Yeah. Quote, the experience in Norman was great. I really like how Coach Venables has his program set up. One thing that catches my eye is their culture, and they're moving to the SEC. Coach Zach Alley, their new defensive coordinator and linebackers coach, seems to utilize the linebackers very well and develop them. How Coach V has the sole mission and how he's incorporated that into OU is what they're all about. End quotes. So not everyone talked about Zach Alley and the linebackers, I know. But for the most part, I'm going to guess that echoed what most people said about their visit to Norman this weekend. They like what OU's all about, awesome visits, good times. Yeah? Let me, let me just be 100% real with y'all for a second. If you think Christian Jones is a cornhusker just because he's from the state of Nebraska, that assumption is dead wrong. And Oklahoma has a very good shot with that kid right now and again it'll come down to timeline and numbers because the Sooners are in on several other very talented linebackers they have they're only recruiting for one additional spot and they are like a very serious consideration for several other nationally elite prospects at that position so if they're gonna get Christian Jones they would almost have to speed up his timeline a little bit but they're in very, very good shape with him right now. Can we make a show note for future references? Um, anytime the text line is slow or content is slow, can we write a note somewhere that says, just bring up PETA 
and then the text <laughs> line will be all over it just for for future reference. Sam and Edmund says, I just sacrificed two extra two extra crispy chicken breast at KFC, so I'm up for the challenge. Bring on Lincoln Cure. Way to do your part, Sam. Everyone's got to do their role there. Thank you very much. 405-651-3439 is the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. Uh, all right, we got a lot of text to get to. We'll do that coming up. Anyone want to hear something good about Jaden Jackson? Okay. More good things about Eddie Pierre-Louis? can do that as well. We'll do that on the, on the other side right here on The Ref. Locked in with McComas and Thune, live on The Ref. We're the homeless Suter fans. 405-651-3439 is the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. Kenan and Hinton says... How did things go with Cunningham? Talking about elite wide receiver, five-star Caleb Cunningham. Well, OU's in the top 12. And I saw that tweet <laughs> yesterday like, uh, hey, we got a big announcement coming up tomorrow. Like, no interviews after noon on Sunday or Monday, whatever it was. Oh, what's Caleb Cunningham about to do here? Coming off an OU visit. Oh, it's just a top 12? Okay, well, thank you for that. Yeah. Look, Emmett Jones has given Oklahoma a shot there. Like That's what I want to emphasize. Oklahoma has a shot. More of a shot than I would have expected. But I, I'm going to unapologetically err on the side of caution here because that is a five-star wide receiver from the state of Mississippi, and generally those guys do not leave what we have traditionally come to regard as SEC territory. Who are, so, we, who are we talking about Friday? Mississippi State and Auburn? Maybe yeah. uh, right, right there at the top. Yeah. So Ole, I, Ole Miss, I'm sure, going to be involved as well. Maybe at some point, we'll see. Yeah, I, <laughs> I'm almost going to take the Colton Vosick approach with that one, where I'm not going to drive up the hype until it is either done, done, or as close to done as it's going to get. Mississippi State, LSU, Alabama, Georgia, Tennessee, South Carolina, Ole Miss, Auburn, Florida State, Georgia Tech, OU, and Florida. So essentially, the entire SEC plus Florida State and Georgia Tech is what it feels like for uh, for Caleb Cunningham. Uh, okay, from the 717, PA Boomer Sooner says, you guys know PETA stands for people eating tasty animals, right? Yes, of course. Yes, we've got multiple texts that say exactly that, so absolutely. Chapstick says, plus Steve Wiltfong will change his predictions as many times as it takes so he ends up being correct. Nobody should ever put faith in that guy's projections, or predictions, sorry. Uh, okay, well, look, I understand Steve and I are in technicality competitors these days because we work for competing outlets, but that is not accurate at all. And I I will unapologetically defend Steve and any of the other national guys who do excellent work trying to cover the recruitments of dudes from literally all over the country on behalf of, like, 30, 35 different schools. Uh, Steve isn't perfect, but he is dang close, and stuff changes in recruiting, right? Like, if you've followed recruiting for any length of time, you know that stuff changes, sometimes without warning, sometimes at the snap of your fingers. Stuff changes, and things evolve, and kids' minds change, the factors within a recruitment change. Sometimes a school just decides, you know what, I'm walking away from it, like oh, you did with Malachi Coleman back in September of 2022. Sorry to open or reopen yeah. any old Thanks wounds for there. Thank you. But stuff changes in recruiting, and so one prediction that you can feel very, very confident in one day could be completely off-kilter the next. And Steve's record will show that 
he does about as well as anybody could be expected to do given his platform and position. 918, my favorite basketball player of all time from OU is Hollis Price. Second is Qantas White. And my favorite bench player of all time is Kellen Sampson. Just wanted to share. Well, thank you for sharing. They've got a really good basketball team at Houston this year. As it looks right now, the best team in the, uh, in the Big 12. And Houston will be coming to Norman later this year, and I'm very excited about that because that was, uh, that was my childhood. Chapstick says you shouldn't pick until you know, then hold your pick. Well, Chapstick, even when you know, you don't always know. I'll give you a perfect example. Last June, I put in a future cast for Adrian Wilson, four-star 2025 wide receiver, in favor of Oklahoma because he had silently committed. A week later, he was no longer silently committed to Oklahoma. He had decided that he actually wanted to take more visits, explore more schools. He ended up committing publicly to TCU only to flip to Oregon three weeks later. Glenn from Nashville says, I've texted this question before, but I will again. When did OU lose the tight end recruiting narrative? Some of the better tight ends in the NFL over the past 10 years played at OU. Mark Andrews and Jermaine Gresham specifically, what gives? Who's to say Oklahoma lost the tight end recruiting narrative? That's my question. I mean, they, they did just get a they did just get really Devon good tight Mitchell, end. Yeah. yeah, who was a five-star in the 2025 class before reclassifying and still ranked among the elites at his position in the 2024 cycle. Uh, I, I imagine it's folks that's, that look at that 2023 recruiting cycle and are like, well, oh, you only got Cade McIntyre. That's kind of a clunker of a class. And I, I would just say I think Cade McIntyre is a very underrated athlete who will take meaningful snaps for Oklahoma offensively this fall in some capacity. But also, the 2023 class, when you look at it, I can recall the tight ends that OU was recruiting, and there were a few guys that were regarded as nationally elite. And as I recall, several of them committed pretty early to schools that were close geographically to where they were located. But 2023, as I recall at least, just was not a very good tight end class. And the two guys that Oklahoma identified that they really turned up the heat on were Cade McIntyre and Malachi Coleman. And they had Malachi Coleman if they wanted him, so... How about Outside this, Glenn? That. You can regain that in 2025, even if you did lose it, with some of the players that's out. I mean, this you're saying 23 maybe wasn't a great tight end class. This is the best tight end class that I can remember, at least at the top, in 2025. It's elite, man. It's really elite. This 2025 tight end class blows away the 24 class, the 23 class, the 22 class, any class I've covered. This is the best tight end class I've ever seen. Brent from Jinx says, got to meet David Stone Saturday at my son's basketball tournament in Norman. Super nice kid, and he took pics with our team. He's a much larger human than I thought. We're in good hands with David Stone. And boy, this fan base already loves them some David Stone. They went to fight for him today. The pitchforks were out today. After on three, ranked him as the, what, number 29 overall player in the uh, 2024 rankings. Woo, man. There were some pissed off OU fans this, uh, earlier this morning when on three released that. Yeah, again, and I, I will say I, I'm not trying to defend on three. They are my direct competitor. I have no reason to go to bat for them, but perception is everything, right? And people see different things. People prioritize different things in their evaluations, and – I've told this story before, but I remember going to watch one of David Stone's games when he was a sophomore in high school, and he was virtually non-existent. I mean, did nothing that night. So if that was what you saw, if that was all you had seen of David Stone, 
you would have concluded, well, okay, he's certainly not the type that lives up to the five-star billing, but you go see the way he performed at the Under Armour All-American game or the Polynesian Bowl, then you start to understand, okay, first impression was probably a little off base if you had watched that same game that I had watched when Stone was a sophomore at Dell City. But it really depends on what you have seen of a guy in the very limited exposure opportunities you have had and also what your interpretation of the tape is. And the folks that are on three still think David Stone is a five-star. They still th- think he's a future first-round draft pick. They just don't think he's a top five, top ten player, and that's fine. I think he is a top ten. But here's player, here's but. here's my issue with that. In a text just rolled in from the four hundred five that I think is is dead on at least in terms of what I think. Okay, if you didn't think that a month ago, I can't fight it too hard. But Parker, did he not go out to Orlando and look like the best defensive lineman that was there? No, he yeah, did. Yeah, right. Yeah. Then he went out to the Polynesian Bowl, and there's some pretty good players out at the Polynesian Bowl, and he was defensive MVP. You know what I mean? Like, at what point do you see him in these all-star games against another elite competition and say, well, he's dominating these guys. He's clearly better than the number 29 overall player in the class. Like, that's, that's where my – and it doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things, okay? Whether David Stone was ranked number three today or number 29 is not going to impact his career one way or the other. No, no. We're probably just getting upset just to be getting upset today. But it's – guys, he was right there in Orlando just a few weeks ago, and he was in Honolulu just recently, and he dominated. Like, what? Huh? Come on. Cherokee Sooner says, my perception of on three is that they're a bunch of morons. <laughs> and look, if you share Cherokee Sooner's opinion, I'm not going to validate it, but I'm also not going to try to change your mind. I will just tell uh, you, come hang with the Rivals crew at OUinsider.com. Look at this guy. Use it as a promo for OUinsider.com. That's, that's what I'm saying, man. Eight bucks a month. That's all it costs you to come be a part. Cherokee Sooner, you get 20% of all the new subscriptions today off of that promo that Parker just ran. They did also <laughs> drop others, as this 405 listener points out. Williams Winery went all the way down from number one to number 14. So he actually Jeez. had a larger drop than David Stone did. Dang. One all the way down to number 14. Uh, Jeremiah Smith, I'm guessing, was number one on he all was. three. Okay, yeah, As he I'm, should uh, be. Yeah. I, is he number one across all services? I know he is on Rivals. I, I don't know about 24-7. If he, he is, is on 24-7. I, just, I need to figure out. ESPN just dropped their new rankings today. I need to check out where he's at. But the three major recruiting sites. Yes, correct. Yes, he's number one for all of them. Jay and Tulsa, one more before we hit a break. Big Game Bob retweeting Caleb Williams' stoops tweet is cool. I bet we see Caleb Williams on the sideline in a future Red River game. Agree? I mean, Caleb (sighs) Williams has free admission into the Cotton Bowl as long as he's alive. So, (sighs) Do I think Caleb Williams will ever be on the sideline of an OU Texas game? Well, one, the obvious here. The bye week would have to fall just right for him to make it to Dallas. Yeah. I I would probably say no that that doesn't that that doesn't happen. Now will his replays be shown on the jumbotron every single year in the Red River rivalry, Red River shootout, Red River showdown, or whatever we're calling it now? Yes, that's going to be shown for a long time. But Caleb Williams himself being on the sideline, yeah, I don't, I don't, I I, I don't think that the hate isn't there quite as much as it was a couple of years ago. I think most OU fans now are, eh, all right, you know. He put out a couple of nice things about OU. He's he ain't mule shoe. He's all right. But on the sidelines for a game, I don't I don't know if I can see that one. I don't know if I can see that one. Plus he's probably gonna be playing the NFL for a long time as well. 
he's probably going to be occupied for the next 10-plus years in the league. Muleshoe is never coming back. Let's just get that. Like, Muleshoe no. will never be acknowledged by Oklahoma. But I can see a world in which Caleb is, given the circumstances of his departure. Do you think Muleshoe um, ever comes back to the state of Oklahoma? Maybe. I mean, I guess in recruiting it's always possible, but... Maybe in a revamped ACC that features both USC and Oklahoma State. Maybe he'll uh, cut the ribbon on. Remember the highway they were going to put out in the Panhandle? Ah, yes. <laughs> I don't know if that the ever Mule happened. Shoe Highway. I don't know if they ever put that, uh, put made that a thing or not. But that'll be his lone appearance back. All right, four zero five six five one thirty four thirty nine is the Kennebecomire Chevrolet the text line. Man, still a lot of crew to get to. A lot of transfer portal. We'll do it next, right here on the ref. Dorsey Jones, Buick GMC, and El Reno bring you the sour of Locked In. Dorsey Jones is family-owned and operated, established in 2020, but many of their employees have been there for more than 20 years. It's Dorsey Jones, Buick GMC, in El Reno. So much to get to today. We're just now getting to the future cast. You and Brandon put in for Tory Blaylock, uh, running back out of Humble, Texas, 5'9", 170, a four-star and got about every offer that you could want, right? Uh-huh. Bama offer, a Georgia offer. Michigan offers there, of course, an OU offer, an Ohio State offer, an Oregon offer. Just based on the offer list, it's like, yeah, he'll be one of the better running backs you can find in, in 25. Yeah, that kid is good, has great genetics, two older brothers that both play college football. One of them, I believe, is at Wisconsin as a defensive back. Uh, his dad, Derek Blaylock, you may remember Tyler. He played running back in the league for several years in the early 2000s with the Jets and the Chiefs. Uh, went to Stephen F. Austin to play his college ball so good bloodline good pedigree for Tory Blaylock uh, he is dynamic on tape and somebody that Oklahoma has prioritized very heavily at running back and they're only recruiting for one scholarship spot right now I think Tory Blaylock is the front runner to get that spot and then I will be interested to see what happens with Demarius Robinson from Edmund Santa Fe, because the Sooners did invite him to this very exclusive junior day this past weekend. They have not offered him yet, but I wonder if they try to Andy Bass him, because he is good. 2,200 rushing yards and 30 touchdowns as a junior. Jeez. Averaged almost 10 yards per carry. Won uh, conference player of the year and was a first-team All-State guy in 6A in the state of Oklahoma, has an offer from Arizona State, has offers from North Texas, Tulsa, Sam Houston State as well. So I I, I talked to Demarius last night, very, very high on Oklahoma, loved his time, and I I, I think it's, it's going to be difficult to sell those guys on a PWO fit at Oklahoma. I, I'm referring to not only Demarius Robinson, but also Caden Knighton, who's coming in this weekend sure. to OU, uh, the four-star back out of Winniewood. But I think it's plausible because both of those guys, it would seem they have a strong desire to stay close to home if possible and if the situation is right. Well, I mean, it, it brings up an interesting conversation, though, about running back if you're only going to take one scholarship guy because we've had – a very similar conversation about wide receiver now for a while in 2025, have we not? It's, well, you're already, I mean, look at, look at the number of commits you already have for 25 before we even got to the 2024 calendar year. Like, Emmett Jones is in a really nice spot right now to where he's got three, four offers, however many it is out there, and saying, hey, we got one spot left. Who wants to commit? We haven't talked about that very much with DeMarco Murray, you know? 
Yeah. Is he's put out some offers, and it's kind of like, hey, I, I like all you guys, but it kind of depends on who's going to commit to us first. And if it's Tory Blaylock, then that'll end up being one heck of a get in 25. Doug in Norman says, thank you, Parker, for dismissing ESPN. And Tom Luganbill is not being one of the top three recruiting services. Luganbill has already forgotten more than Parker Thune will ever know about recruiting. Sorry, Parker, but you are not there yet. Uh, never said I was, Doug. Also did not say anything about Tom Luganbill as a person. He is obviously well-respected. Find me anyone, anyone, Doug, who considers ESPN one of the top three recruiting services because it is blatantly obvious that they do not invest the same time or money or resources into their recruiting coverage than on three or rivals or 24-7 sports. That is nothing against Tom Luganbill. That is not something over which I would imagine he has jurisdiction. But ESPN is severely lacking in recruiting coverage. It's not nice to have Doug. Doug went out to L.A. for the holidays for a, for a few weeks. He said he was going to check in on us from time to time and keep us in line when he felt like he needed to. <laughs> Great. Good to have Doug back. He's texted it a few times since then, but Doug's back in full force, ready for the new year. Um, did Bill Beatonbow lock up KREF Recruiter of the Month today? Oh, yeah, I guess I mean, we're getting towards like, the end of the thing here. I'd, it's got to be Beatonbow, right? Tarquin and. Um, unless you want to go unless you want to go with uh, Chavis. Caden Woolard mm-hmm. happened in January, correct? Mm-hmm. I feel like. I mean, gotta, we got a couple gotta, of days to figure it out. Got to give the edge to Bill. We will, um, we, we will put it up to a vote today or on Wednesday on the uh, text line for, for K Ref Recruiter of the Month, but. Didn't even get to all the Cruton and Transfer Portal content. The big story today, Garen Hatchett out of Washington, two years of eligibility remaining, will be at OU or he commits to OU. Pro football focus, 264 snaps last year. Uh, He had 10 hurries and zero sacks on 156 pass pro snaps. So if you're one of those that likes analytics, pro football focus, there you go. At least I gave you that information today. The Rush coming up next. Keep it locked on the ref.